Praise God. How many of you know that Jesus is an expert at turning things around? Amen. Brought us from death to life, from being enemies with God to being his children because of the, his sacrifice. So let's sing about that this morning. Search the world, but it couldn't fill me. A man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. And you came along, yes, and put me back together. Thank you. 
than you, Lord, there's nothing, nothing is better than you. Amen. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When hope was restored Where was despair When my God split the shores Where was defeat When the Lord took a breath When he stood in power By the grave that he left Nowhere 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 is the fear When my King resurrects
yes, he is coming. Yes. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. in the blood of Jesus and washes white as snow I believe in the power of the gospel still makes the broken whole I believe that the curse of sin was broken when they rolled away that stone I believe I believe I believe as I bow before you much I think I want to start the first verse over again and put my capo in the right place on my guitar so let's try this again <laughs> amen when everybody else is playing in a different key you know something's wrong and it was me I believe in the blood of Jesus that washes white as snow I believe that the power of the gospel to the daughters 
sing it to the sons, to every generation. Look at what the Lord has done. Sing it to the darkness that the light has come. Sing it to the nations. Look at what the Lord has done. Sing it to the
song we could ever sing. draw 
all men unto yourself, Lord, as we lift you up. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It is good to be back. I missed everybody last week as we were down in the deep south visiting my folks. But no church is like home, right, Emmanuel? So it's good to be home. It's good to be here. Um, we are in the midst of a sermon series still, and we're talking about what it means to live a life of spiritual renewal. Uh, renewal kind of conversations are, are really circulating throughout many churches at this season right now. Um, we, we were in the midst of a middle of a sermon series on the book of Ecclesiastes when the Lord uh, decided to interrupt that sermon series. And so we've been uh, talking about this ever since, just what it means to, to not just experience renewal or maybe have an experience of God that is powerful that may in a moment really set things differently, but rather how to find a sustaining life of renewal. Um, I often think of our brothers and sisters in countries where, you know, meeting like we are today is illegal. So they find ways to do it underground and sometimes get caught and find themselves ripped away from their families and friends in jail. And, you know, living a life of renewal is it's not an option for those Christians in those nations. If they don't have a zeal for God that drives them day in and day out when they know that everything is at risk for the confession of the gospel of Jesus, um, they have to live it. And I know in our nation things are indeed changing. For the time being, there's, there's no one here telling us to leave and not gather. We're free to gather. And what that does is it, it still can present for us a challenge in America of remembering what this call to Christ really is. Um, when the pressure is not applied to us uh, quite the same way as it is for other people, other nations, you know, how do we, how do we find a life of zeal for God? Uh, Paul was very clear in Romans chapter 12 that we, we should be fervent in our zeal for the Lord continually. How do we find that? And that's what this sermon series ultimately is about, just finding a life of constant renewal. And so today's, uh, we've been looking at prayer for some time. I know Brian last week gave a great sermon as well. And so we're listening. Uh, the, today's is, is about prayer, but it's like a certain avenue of prayer. Um, and it's about listening to God. That's a very common pastoral question that I receive is, you know, how do you, how do you hear God? How do you listen to God? And chances are, if I polled everybody here, I would get, you know, about 100 or so different answers, you know, because it's a little difficult when we talk about listening to God. Um, you know, how, how do we actually do this? Is there some kind of method that just one plus one equals two, and that's how we hear from God? Like, how does this work? Um, listening, as we're going to see, it's, it may be actually the most, even if it's a little hard to grasp, I do think we can grasp it to some degree, but it's really important. Like, I, I would even say it's, it's one of the most important kind of stones of you know, the foundational stones of our life with Christ, of being a Christian, is learning how to listen to God. And yes, I do think we have to learn. I think it's a discipline that we have to apply ourselves to, but which will indeed bear fruit. So still, what do we mean by listening? All throughout the Bible in various ways, people hear from God. 
in many different ways, right? So we have, for instance, the prophet Daniel. You can read about his story when he's praying in the Hebrew scriptures, Daniel chapter nine, he's on his knees, he's confessing the sins of his people of Israel to God. And as he's praying, like an angel shows up and says, the Lord has a message for you. Now, I don't know if you've ever been praying, you look up, it's just like an angel, like, hey, the Lord has a message for you. That's pretty wild. That's a crazy story, okay? But he heard a word from the Lord through this angel. Or we have Jacob of Genesis 28, who lays, he, he lies down in the field to sleep with a stone for a pillow, and he gets this vision of a ladder between heaven and earth, and there's angels like going up and down on it, and the voice of God comes forth from the top of the ladder, and he hears the voice of God. That's a crazy thing to happen, but he heard from God. We also have um, uh, God sending prophets to Israel in the Old Testament. If you think of prophets, think, think of like the old school megaphone kind of things that you speak into and it amplifies your voice. The prophets were God's megaphone, if you will, to his people to give him his words. And, uh, and they didn't listen to him, leaving Jeremiah 25 verse 4, uh, God speaking through Jeremiah this, to tell his people, you have neither listened nor inclined your ears to hear, although the Lord persistently sent to you all of his servants, the prophets. We even have Philip in the New Testament who uh, when the early church was first scattered in Jerusalem after persecution, the first persecution um, that erupted in Jerusalem, in Acts chapter 8, verse 26, the text says that an angel of the Lord told Philip to travel to Gaza, and as he did so, he met this Ethiopian eunuch, this really important man, traveling, and the text says in 8, verse 29, the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stand near it. And he does so and finds out the guy's reading his Bible and he's looking at a chapter in Isaiah chapter 53, this about Jesus. And he says, I wonder who this chapter is about. Oh, hey, you, could you tell me who this chapter is about? And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll tell you about Jesus. And he was guided to that place by, he heard God's word and he was guided to that. He listened to God, was guided there and he had, a, he had an opportunity to present the gospel. There's so many ways of this, so many uh, varying experiences of people in the scriptures who heard and listened to God and heard from him. Um, but do we read these stories and examples of ancient things that just happened long ago where God, uh, maybe in those times, he's a little more just audibly active in the world? Um, do we not expect him to lead and guide as he used to or does he still? Many of us, if we're honest, we hear these stories or read these stories and many others in scripture and we're like, man, could that happen to me just like once? Just once could that angel just like show up in front of me and just tell me, hey, God really did hear you. You're like, oh, he really did. Okay, whew. Like I just don't know sometimes that this prayer thing really, if there's anybody on the other end, you know. Um, you may read that and just really wish that could possibly happen still. Um, for a teaching for a different day, it's, it's clear throughout biblical history. It's a little, the front of this sermon will be a little bit teaching, okay? So put on your classroom hat for a few minutes. On the back end, we'll have some exhorting to challenge us. But it is clear that God did operate in biblical history in different times and sometimes in very unique ways within those periods that are not normative. And we have stories of him turning the Nile River in Egypt to blood. That doesn't happen very often. Only happened once in scripture, actually. So God does indeed sometimes work very uniquely for certain events um, uh, and is not necessarily repeated. And also even uh, more important, we have to understand that when Jesus ascended back into heaven, 
the spirit was sent down in a sort of way to say, you know, the person of Jesus physically on earth has left. And he said, it's really good that I'm leaving because the spirit's going to come and essentially multiply the ministry that I had on earth and fill you all and equip you and send you out to start doing the things that I was doing. And it's way better because there's a lot more of you than just me here. So I'm going to fill you all to send you out as my ambassadors. And so that was a new epoch. That was a new time in biblical history. That time is called the church, um, the church age. It's the new covenant where we are now filled with God's spirit. And the way he works in this world has now been, uh, it's in the mass. It's, it's multiplied greatly. And some things indeed did change in that new time. So what about now in this era of the church? Like, what does it mean to listen to God? What does it mean to listen to him? Um, Indeed, in many places in the world right now, we, we actually showed a video not that long ago, I think that's last fall. There's a lot of times you actually hear this, of, of, especially in Islamic countries, of, of people in the same household waking up who all had a dream, and it was about Jesus, the same dream, and they're like, well, what is happening? And they go and seek answers and end up becoming a Christian because God revealed himself to them in dreams. Like you hear these stories happening often, actually, in countries, especially right now in the Middle East. I do believe God still works in those tremendous ways today. And that's a vast topic and maybe for a different sermon for a different day. But today I want to focus, some of those things, it's a matter of his choosing, a matter of his providence that he does those things. But we are equipped in certain ways, very practically, that we can actually learn the, I think we can call it a discipline of listening to God, that we are instructed to do and are equipped to do through his spirit. So really there's three ways I'm going to focus on this morning that we can cultivate a life of listening to God. Number one, so if you're note takers, you may want to take some notes this morning, just to, whatever, however your personality is. So number one, the first way we're going to look at is reading and praying through the scriptures, through the Bible, as a way to listen to God. Number two, walking in the spirit of God. Talk about what that means. And number three, inserting yourself into Christian community. All right, so reading and praying through the Bible is a way of listening to God. Walking in the Spirit of God is a way to live a life of listening to God. And number three, intentionally inserting yourself into Christian community in order to hear from him as well. So before you begin, let me pray for our time. Lord, I, um, I want to be a church that is known for hearing your voice and responding, Lord. We want to be a church led by your spirit, Lord. You have a work to do in the city. You have a kingdom work to do. You have equipped us to do it. And we want to be guided by that. We, we, we pray for our children right now as they are um, uh, being poured into by our ministry workers. We thank you for those workers. We pray for our children here at this church that they would just receive the good news of the kingdom. They would just bring uh, a, a seeds of the gospel to be rooted and planted. They would just grow into followers of you, Lord, to carry out in their generation, Lord, the work that you have, the good news of the kingdom. So we love you. Be with us this morning. Give us soft hearts to receive. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So the first part here, reading and praying through the Bible. It's a famous verse that we're going to look at real briefly. 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is God-breathed. I really should have this on slides behind me. Forgive me. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God 
may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed. All this God-breathed scripture that we have in our Bibles is useful for teaching, for correcting us, even rebuking. It's a strong word, right? And also training us into righteousness, which is the ways of God. We're being trained in his ways through this, so we are to be equipped for the work that he has set out for us. In other words, if you want to know what righteousness is, soak yourself in scripture. If you want to be equipped for the work that God has for your life, soak yourself in scripture. But because it's God-breathed, you can be rest assured that when you read the scripture, you're reading God's words that came about through human beings. His scripture is the authoritative and primary source in which we learn about God. This is important. Nothing that God has done or will do will be in contradiction to what we see in scriptures. We'll talk about that more in a moment. It's full of stories of men and women, real people who had real lives in relationship to God and, uh, and through, their ins- through inspiration by God and, and through their unique time, they wrote down all that happened in their life. And God has gifted us with their own lives and wrestling with God and their own stories of, of chasing after God. He inspired it, gave it to us here in the scripture in order to, to guide us, to help maintain our relationship with God and hear from him as we continually explore who he is in this life that he has given us. So easily enough, if you tell me, I really want to hear from God. The quickest thing you can do is just to read the scriptures. That's the quickest thing to do because you'll then hear the words of God. And if you're kind of new, a newbie to the scriptures, open up the Psalms and just read about people crying out to God in very normal life circumstances that help cultivate your own emotions towards God as you wrestle with your own life circumstances. But as we say this, especially in 2023, I mean, the Bible is so accessible it's so accessible. I mean, there's apps that um, uh, are just incredible with the amount of information that we have at our fingertips today to actually understand God's word. It's absolutely incredible. We, we live in the day of information when, you know, we just have every bit of information at our fingertips. But the reality is this, that one person, anybody can pick up and find a Bible in America. Okay, it, it, they're, they're usually cheap next to free, or just, yeah, there are free. Download the app, right, on your smartphones. Like, anybody can read it, but here's the catch. Not everybody who reads the Bible may have the same experience in reading it. Maybe some of you have read the Bible before, and you're just like, there was a time in your life, my wife actually has this testimony. She won't care if I share it. You know, she grew up reading the Bible, go up, going to church, hearing it preached. But suddenly in her teens, she was reading the Gospel of John, and she said, this is true. Wow. And she was led to repentance of sin. Everything came alive for her and everything changed. But she was reading that Bible for years. Some of you maybe have a similar story. How do you explain something like that? Like what what happened here? Um, There's a story of a man named Josiah in the Old Testament, king of Israel. One day, um, as he became king, um, apparently the scriptures had been lost in that kingdom. And one of his uh, priests, I think his name is Hilkiah, he finds it as they're doing some work in the temple. He's like, oh, king, I, I, found, I found the Bible. <laughs> we lost it. And so he reads it, and he just gets his clothes and he rips them because he says, oh, my, this kingdom is a wreck. 
we have not been chasing after God. We have lost our way. And he is broken. I mean, this man is broken. And his first, his first impulse, he says, get everybody in the kingdom and bring them to Jerusalem. Get all the priests, all the families, bring everybody near. And I want you to read this aloud. Everybody has got to hear the word of God. And they do. And the nation experiences a period of unprecedented renewal and revival because the word of God was read. But his son, just one generation later, his son's name was Jehoiakim. And his day was a prophet Jeremiah who was also writing down the words of God and giving it to Jehoiakim, who was again Josiah's own son. You know what this king did? Every time he read a column, he'd get his little scissors out, he would cut off that, and he would throw it in the fire until it was all gone. It meant nothing to him. His heart was dead towards it. How do you explain that? One generation, here's the word of God, and just repents and just is reawakened to him, and the next king is like, eh, this, this is only good for the fire. How do we explain that? Well, the book of Hebrews helps us understand this. The problem isn't the scriptures, of course. It's not the problem. There are some supernatural elements involved when we read the scripture that keeps it veiled or unveiled from us. And as well, there's an element of our own faith involved, of our own motivations, of what we're seeking when we come to the scriptures, when we read them. Hebrews 4 verses 1 says this, verse 1, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, says this, Let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. And here we go. For good news came to us, just as to them, he's speaking of an ancient generation in the Old Testament who heard the word of God, Good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them. Why? Because they were, not, they were not united by faith with those who listened. They were lacking faith. They heard the word, but they didn't believe it. They didn't want to believe it, and therefore it had no benefit for them. So the first question is when you read the scriptures, what are you seeking out of it? Why are you filling your head with the Bible? Like, what, what's the purpose of that? You can have a PhD in the Bible and your heart can be dead to God. Do you know this? Why do you approach the scriptures? What are you looking for? Are you looking for the very words of life to enter into your heart, to transform you? Or are you just doing a dull habit saying, well, this is a good thing that Christians need to do? What are you seeking from the scriptures? And then one I won't go into in depth, Matthew 13, when Jesus told a parable of the sower, about the different soils. Um, he, he, he gave this illustration of the same seeds are spread out, but there's different soils in each one, and some didn't bear any fruit, and some bore a little fruit, and then dried up, and some bore tremendous fruit. And, and he actually says, he explains the parable, and he says the kingdom of heaven is, is, um, is like the man who sowed good seed in this field. Um, oh, I'm in the wrong uh, part. Uh, sorry, verse 18. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. Here we go. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches what was sown in their hearts. And he keeps going about how the different soils are a matter of the proclamation 
of the good news of the kingdom and, and the different reasons why it's choked out. The cares of this world can choke out the work of God's word in our hearts. The evil one can come and snatch it away, right? Um, maybe a family member can say, you're an idiot for being a Christian. You know that? Um, you're not even allowed to be at our family dinners anymore if you into this Jesus stuff. I've, I've talked to people who this is the result when they become a Christian. And then they're like, ah, I don't, Jesus, is this going to cost me my family? Like I... I don't know, I, I, I kind of love my family. Like, I don't want them to reject me here. And he says, sometimes because of pressure and persecution like that, people then fall away. The good news loses its work in their hearts. But there's some people who hear the word, verse 23, and the seed fell on good soil. It refers to somebody who hears the word and understands it. But here's the key about all of this stuff, about hearing God's word. It works when it leads us to obedience. What you'll never hear anywhere in the scriptures about hearing God's word with some indication right after of obedience attached to it. Because this person in this parable, when they hear uh, the good word of the kingdom and they understand it, what happens? This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times. And, and the original language behind that is kind of talking about the, the work of producing. This person got to work, right? And fruit was born in their life. And even James says, don't just be readers of the word. Don't just be hearers of the word. Be doers of the word. And this is when scripture begins transforming us. So when our posture towards scripture is, I want to live this out, Lord. Help me. And that's when transformation enters our life. We'll preach more about the scriptures uh, later this summer. But the second part about listening to God is uh, walking in his spirit. I want to work through this. There's some overlap with some of these. But Jesus had this to say about God's spirit. John 16, 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, again, John 16, 12, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you all that the father has is mine therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you that's what the spirit does so like Philip who is walking and he's being directed by the spirit go to the chariot there's a person that needs to to hear about Jesus right now and he goes and sure enough there's somebody that needs to hear about Jesus. Now, the reality is that as we seek to live a life of listening to God, this means that we will be living a life of openness from morning until evening throughout our day of being guided by the Spirit, being open to listening to Him and listening to His guidance. Now, I'm not talking about some super spiritual, perhaps, way of thinking of like, you know, you're on the couch, you're like, okay, Lord, do I cook breakfast now? Do I wait five minutes? Like, do I, you know, like not that kind of thing, okay? That you're just like immobilized unless there's like a, a pin in the sky that says, now go cook breakfast. Okay, now's the time. Like, that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. Rather, it's learning as Paul repeated a couple of times in his letters in Galatians and Ephesians, he says to, to walk in the Spirit. And, and that's like a, it's a word that means continually, like don't stop, like continue to walk in the spirit. Why? In order to, to, to not gratify, 
the things that your heart desires that will bring death and destruction to you. It's a life of being filled with scripture and prayer in our hearts and our minds as we're about in our day. So your heart can be continually attuned to God's will for your life, which is to will and to work for his good pleasure throughout all of your day. It becomes a way of life, just listening to God's direction throughout your days. And as Dallas Willard talks about in his work, you can actually train yourself into this into where you may actually find yourself giving less effort to having to listen to God because it becomes a very way of life for you. God's grace, friends, that really is possible for us. But how do you discern that God's actually speaking to you throughout all of this, right? First off, this is really important too. It's a lot of important things. Again, if you're a note taker, write some of these things down. Nothing God will direct you to do throughout your day. Um, uh, Nothing uh, God may direct you to say or do as your will is attuned to his will. Like I said before, it will will contradict this. Nothing he will tell you to do will contradict this. For example, you'll never be in Walmart and he says, it's perfectly fine just to steal that TV, do it. Like that's not the voice of the Lord, obviously. He will not direct you to moral behavior and actions that contradict his word and then give his stamp of approval as if it's okay. I know this from my own life. You know how often I've tried to justify my own sin? where I'm like, I know there's something in my life that's just sin, and I'm like, well, I think of David who, you know, murdered this guy because he got his wife pregnant, um, and he was still used by God, so I know I'm a sinner, so God can still use me if I just don't give this up. Like, I mean, he used David, right? And I've done that to justify my, I know, that's a sad thing that I do, right? Um, I'm not the only one. Somebody in here does that too. That's what we do. That's right. Somebody else should raise their hand. Amen. That's me too, right? Like we, we find creative ways to stick to our sin and even say, can't God like give his stamp as like, that's fine, man. You're totally fine. And we convince ourselves of this, but that's not how the words of life work, right? That's not what, that's not listening to God. That's listening to yourself and trying to bring God into your own sinful agendas, Secondly, we can't replace God's presence in our life with the Bible. This is an interesting one, and hear me out on this. We can't replace God's presence in our life with the Bible. The Bible is indeed inspired and authoritative. It's the word of God, but the Bible is not God. I grew up in traditions that kind of implicitly taught way more about the Bible than even the spirit who inspired the Bible. I'm telling you, you can glue this thing to your forehead and carry it with you all day, and it will do nothing to your heart miraculously. It won't just suddenly just miraculously import all of its words into your brain. We're like, I'm shocked, and now I'm like a robot obeying God. Like, that's not how Scripture works. If it's not read with faith or with a desire to know the Lord through it, it is of no benefit to you, as Hebrews 4 said. And thirdly, we need to realize that the Bible does not answer all of life's questions. It provides wisdom for all of life's questions, but there are inevitably situations you and I face in life that is not directly in the scriptures, possibly indirectly, and so then we have to learn to read the Bible wisely. 
Does that make sense? Read the Bible wisely. As one author said, Richard Lovelace, in his book on spiritual renewal, Professor Gordon Conwell, Paul didn't have, say, the science available to him that shows a connection between healthy eating and exercise to the development of a stronger will, clarity of mind, that certainly can help our prayers. We, uh, Paul also, Paul didn't struggle with iPhone addictions that reduce his attention span to like five seconds. Like, so when you're trying to pray, you're like, you're all over the place. You're like, I don't even know what I just, let me start over. Like, those things aren't addressed in the Bible. So it doesn't mean that we shouldn't take screen problems seriously. We need, to, we need to talk about that. There's no verse in the Bible about iPhones. It's not there. doesn't mean we need to ignore the issue either. We need to use the wisdom. That's why God gave us the book of Proverbs and the book of Ecclesiastes and the wisdom literature to kind of fill those gray zones in our life. I mean, there, just this past uh, week, we heard of the, 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 the military, the, the, um, the medical industry behind that works in the VA hospitals and military, they just okayed uh, children who desire to have transgender surgeries. They could even have that occur as young as seven years old without parental consent. That's a wild thing in our country. How do we respond? There's not a lot of scriptures available that talks about that issue, okay? There's wisdom available. We have to navigate in wisdom. How do we respond to this as Christians? We engage the scriptures and we pray and we seek God's wisdom and we hear from him. And this is how we navigate waters today, right? We use the wisdom of scripture to guide us. Um, This is probably, okay. The lastly, I know this is probably three sermons in one. You guys with me still? We're good? Okay. Lastly, we need to listen to God in community. We need to listen to God in community. What was King Josiah's first instinct when he was broken over his own sin from hearing God's word? Get everybody together. We all need to hear this. That was his first instinct, right? It was the early church who gathered to listen to the apostles' teaching together and to break bread together and to pray together. Practices of reading God's word and listening to his spirit can and should be done alone. Those early crisp mornings over a fresh cup of coffee, my sunroom is a great spot. That's my spot in the mornings. And it's one of the best, quietest places to be in for prayer. It's amazing. But that's not the last place that I pray, right? I need to seek to be with you, to hear from God alongside of you together. We need to resist our American individualism in this area and be together as Christians, listening to God together, hearing what he was showing you and teaching you and communicating to you so that I can hear God's word even through you and through his work in your life. That's what Christians call testimonies. Like, what is God doing in your life? Let me hear it, right? I, I need to hear what that is because that could also bring growth and help and, uh, and, and edification to my own life. There's a certain humility when it comes to Christian community as well, because in community, we submit to one another as God works in our own life. I'm submitting to hearing what God is doing in your life that I may learn something from it and learn something of God from it. Um, if, if you're the kind of Christian that says, well, I'm, I'm a Christian but not a part of a church, it's just me and Jesus, and I've heard that so many times in America, I'm telling you, read the Bible word by word, slowly, deeply on every page, especially the New Testament, you're just not going to find that kind of attitude. It's just, it, it, it reeks more of Americanism than Christianity. Paul speaks of the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 12. 
I want you to listen to this. This is just one verse. I could read the whole chapter, but just one verse. He says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, it do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. I can say a lot of things from that, but I want to say one thing that we can gather from this. If you resist Christian community, especially here at Emmanuel, you may be chopping off the feet of Emmanuel Church. You may be chopping off our hands by your absence from community. Do you guys understand that? Maybe chopping off our very hands to do the work of the kingdom if you're not yourself involved in community here. And chances are, if you are involved in community here, there's, sometimes there's very legitimate reasons for seasons of life to make it very difficult, and I understand all those things. But there's also seasons of life where you could be here, but you choose not to be, and I, pastorally speaking, whenever I see someone isolating themselves, and they start pulling away from other people, pulling themselves out of relationships. There's something in their life that they're clinging to that they want to hold on to way more than their involvement in Christian community that just might get called out. And so they pull back, and they pull back, and they pull back. So if any of you start pulling back, pulling back, you may get a kind pastoral phone call from me. Are you okay? I haven't seen you in a while. And it's not for the interest of just, you know, having more butts than to see at this church. No, I just, there's an intuitive reality that says you might not be doing well. There might be sin in your life that you're clinging to right now. That's why you're pulling back. Maybe not, right? Um, But we need to have a conversation. Are you okay? All right, I can say more, but where do we go from here? That was a teaching time. Teaching hat is off. Time for, on the back end of our sermon now, some exhortation. What about practicing these things as a church? Now remember that we're still in a season where we are seeking renewal as a church. And there's no church renewal without individual renewal. There's no church renewal if we're not as individuals also experiencing renewal in our own life. I don't want to create just an emotionally charged church to maintain such renewal because that's as an exhausting way to do church, just to kind of one-up the, the past service to the next. You know, we can never one-up that continually. I don't want to make that my job, right? My job is to guide you to God, not just, just give you high emotive experiences on Sunday. I want you to be with him and have an encounter with him because he will transform your life, not just emotive experiences. True renewal comes from encountering the presence of God regularly and living that kind of life. And so we're talking about listening to God. How does that occur? How, what does that mean for us in practice? Um, as I said before, nowhere in Scripture does listening to God um, not lead to obedience. And obedience is a super icky word in 2023. Nobody wants to hear obedience. This is America, land of the free. You know, we obey no one. We do what we want. You're a follower of Jesus and you're not an American. Yet before you're, well, you are an American, sure, but you're a follower of Jesus before you're an American. That's really, do you understand that? You'll be hearing more of that, I'm sure, in the next election season from my mouth. You're a follower of Jesus before your American citizenship. You're a citizen, if you're a Christian this morning, you're a citizen of heaven before you're a citizen of our country. And so the things that define you and shape your life, the, the values that shape your life, should be the kingdom of God way before our culture. And of course, that's the problem. That's the the struggle in our Christian life is those two things. There's a simple text I'm going to read that you probably heard before. 
uh, Jesus, when he was asked to summarize the Bible, this is the verse he quoted. And this can be a, a good time to kind of end us this morning, in our time this morning. It's, it's called a Shema. Uh, every time a, a synagogue is meeting somewhere in the world, okay, the Jewish community gathers, the Shema is not just said, it's actually sung, okay? This is the central component to the Bible right here. Again, they asked, they asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Sum up the entire Bible in one verse, this is what he did. He quoted Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. And here is how that verse begins. Hear, O Israel. So what's the first word I just said? Hear, O Israel. Are you listening? That's that first word. Listen. You remember being a kid when your mom or dad got down? Are you listening to me? What would normally follow after they said that? Here's what you need to be doing. Are you listening? You paying attention? Again, obedience follows listening. You guys tracking with this? All right, hear, O Israel. What's the first thing he says after this? The Lord our God, the Lord is one. So the Lord that is speaking that you need to be listening, the first thing to be reminded as a church this morning that this is the unique, supreme being of the universe who is speaking to you. This is the holy one. When that phrase is read, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, it's just speaking of his uniqueness. There are all sorts of spiritual authorities whom the Bible actually refers to as lower G gods. They're out there. There's good ones and there's bad ones. There's authorities on this earth as well. And what that text says is he is not just one of those lower capital G or lower G gods. He is not just some authority out there. He is the supreme God, the unique one, the holy one, the God above all gods, the king above all kings. He is speaking to you. So listen, be reminded that is the God who is speaking to you. And what does he say? Verse five, love the Lord your God with all of your hearts all of your soul and all of your strength. These commands I give today are to be upon your hearts. Now, the Hebrew ideology with heart, it really refers to the mind, the intellect. The word soul is is, is kind of a misnomer of a translation. It, It really refers to being, like all of you. All of you. So much so, that word is so strong of all of you that says, Love him with all of your being. And even some commentators would say that love should be so powerful that if the opportunity comes where your life may be at risk for your love of God, that you're willing to give it up. Because all of you is loving God. And your love for God even increases above the love of self. That's how powerful that we're called to love God. And it says that we need to strive for this love of God with all of our strength. That's what he wants us to hear, the greatest commandment, right? And moving on, he says, verse 7, impress this onto your children, these words onto the children. Talk about them when you sit up, these words of God, this commandment. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them at the door frames in your houses and on your gates. We need to listen to God, that very first part, impress them on your children. We need to listen to God in order that we may pass down the love of God and the good news to the next generation. We need to listen to God, not just for ourselves. But in order is we're occupying ourselves with the love of God. 
when we're sitting around at home, when we're talking about it, we're lying down to sleep or waking up the next day, right? We're carrying his words everywhere we go. The very frames of our homes are painted with the very words of God, just marking the life of listening to him. And the result of listening to him is a life of love of God that leads to the obedience that we're talking about. Just a side word here. Impress this upon your children. I want you to understand is all churches must do this. We must impress the love of God to our children and to the younger generation. This church, we must continue to pass down this church to the next generation, but even more so, even for the young people here and for the older people here, for whatever generation we find ourselves in within this church, all generations must be together here as we explore and learn to listen to God together and obey him together. I don't want to see streams of, you know, lack of better words, the old people doing this and the young people doing that over there, and then the, the two aren't really meeting. No, guys, t- we're together in this. We're together here in this church. Young or old, we're investing to our children. Young or old, we're in the same Bible studies. We're pursuing one another together. This is God's design, but we need to pass this on continually. Right? And here's, as we close out the back end, here's the truth. If we want to live a life of spiritual renewal, if we want to be, as a church, to be a place where people come to meet Jesus and be continually transformed into his likeness, if we want to be a place where an outpouring of the Spirit of God can occur in the city of Wilmington, it can really maybe even begin here in our church, we must resist being a church that only selectively hears some of these things from God. When I say selectively hears from God, I mean being followers of Jesus only seeks to selectively obey. In, our, in the fall, we're going to have a sermon series about the nature of the church and what the church really is. But um, I, I need to impress this upon all of us right now. This is one of the sermons that I think is so important for all of us. And if you're asleep right now, hopefully there's a little more juice in you to wake up and listen, Okay. We are living in a, tra- like in, a, in, a, in a time of transition in, our, in history, really, in our culture, as a nation, and even in history. People are talking about this. The world is changing faster than most of us realize. Not every generation gets to live in such times. There's an ancient, I think it's a Chinese proverb, uh, it's more, more of a curse, actually, or a French curse. It says, may you live in interesting times. That's us, friends. We're living in interesting times. Not every generation has the chance to do this, but we are. And as we as the church, we're kind of stuck in this gray zone of saying, well, how do we live today? Like, how do we practice these things as a church in this gray zone? And what listening to God together means, it means that we need to open ourselves up to say, Lord, there's, there's going to be less and less options here of nominal Christianity. We, we, we need as a church to, to pursue a heart of complete surrender to him. Like when he said, hear, O God, the Lord is one, love him with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That is all of you, friends. That's not some of you. And that's the core of what it means to listen to God, that you're, you're actually listening with the intent to say, Lord, I want you to have all of me. I really do. And I'm coming to you to my ears open that the soil may be ready to bear, you know, a hundredfold in the fruit because I want you to have all of me. Lord, I'm willing to be challenged. I'm, Ephesians uh, 2.10 actually says to encourage you 
Here's me hearing this and say, I think I kind of want this, but it just sounds so hard. Like listening to God, it, you know, not me hearers, but just also doers of the word. This is really hard. And the good news is that we are God's handiwork. Like you're like his statue with his chisel that as you work to practice this, he's also handiworking you, like chiseling you out to become more and more like Jesus as well. He's not going to abandon you as we seek this life of spiritual renewal. But just a question that continually presents itself is, do you want this? Do you desire this? If you do, let's begin listening to God and seeking a life of obedience to his word. And I'm gonna call up Jim DiBiaso now. He has one more song for us. And we're gonna have a time of prayer as well. Isaiah 55, verses 10 through 11. Listen to this. That's what it says. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprouts, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, Right, just as the rain falls and, and things start growing. Just as that happens, verse 11, this is God speaking, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. But what purpose? Giving life to you, just as the rain gives life to the ground. That's his purposes that is his accomplishment in Christ Jesus through his spirit. He's going to, he, he will speak it. It will go forth. The question is, are you willing to receive it? Are you willing to listen and to receive his word? It poured rain yesterday. It watered the earth, right? And he wants to pour rain into your heart to water the soil in your own heart that those, those green plants may burst forth in bearing fruit. So we're gonna stop and actually practice this now, if we can. Jim's gonna strum a little bit behind us in the next few minutes. Today is a call to practice listening to God, so we're gonna practice doing it now for a few minutes. We're gonna stop and pray now. One of the goals here at this uh, church, we're, we're, we're trying to move the service from having worship or sermon as central and having prayer to God as central, as we said at the beginning of our time. Because being with Jesus is the key to becoming more like him, leading us to a life of doing the things that he did, of obedience. And if we do not do that together on Sundays, and we're just exchanging information here, I want to practice this together this morning. So however you would like to do, if you want to keep your eyes closed in prayer, if you want to look around, if whatever, how do you want to pray now? Um, there's an invitation I'm going to read to you as we pray. I want you guys to consider praying this. It's from the same chapter, Isaiah 55. It's an invitation for us this morning. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come and buy and eat. Come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. Because why are you spending your money for that which is not bread and labor for which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, says the Lord. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear, church. Incline your ear to the Lord and come to me says the Lord, hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast love for David. Lord, right now, may we listen diligently. 
Lord, incline your ears, the ears of your people this morning to your word, Lord. And all the huge amounts of scripture we've read this morning, Lord, may our ears have been opened, Lord, to receive that we may live. Through your son, Jesus, we have been brought into an eternal covenant, the new covenant with you, the covenant, the eternal covenant of salvation and love. Lord, help us to listen and to be transformed. Some of us have been going through, uh, going to muddy waters and drinking. Some of us are in spiritual poverty, feeling dried up. Our pockets are empty of any spiritual wealth. But Lord, you just offered, continually are offering us who don't have anything to come and to buy real food, rich wine and rich milk to eat and to drink. And right now, as we do every week, we want to provide opportunity to pray for each other. And if anything has kind of hit a home with you this morning and, and, and you're, you're here and, and the Lord has been just speaking into your heart um, without shame or embarrassment, if you feel like that's you and the need of that this morning, would you, if you want to raise your hand, we could send people uh, around you to pray for you, to lay hands on you, just to pray with you. If that's anybody at this time, would you raise your hand? As we're sitting here, if, there, if there's hard walls in your heart that you've just, you know that you, you, you maybe heard God's word, but haven't, your heart hasn't received it. You haven't really truly heard his word. It has not been received by faith. I want to pray for you right now, Lord, that you would, you would tear down whatever walls that may be preventing your word. Lord, if, if the enemies at work to, to steal your work out from their heart, Lord, protect them now. Rescue them from the enemy's grasp. If the cares of this world are choking up, Lord, your word in their hearts, would you cause them to bring that in repentance to you even now? May the good news of the gospel once again breathe hope and life into your people. So anytime um, throughout this time, um, I'll just encourage you, if you do need prayer, you can either sit at your seat, you can raise your hand, you can come forward. If you uh, want to come forward and kneel before God, like I, I want this to be a sanctuary, a place where it's not weird to cry out to God. Like we're not scared of people that are going to look at, you know, how people may perceive us. Like just, we're a family here. If you need to cry out to God at any one of our services or even this morning, like just, it's okay. Like, we, we've all been there. We're all his handiwork. And so if that's you this morning, don't be afraid to cry out to him, to come forward, to kneel. People will be available up front to receive prayer or just to raise your hand at any point, and we can send people to pray with you. So we're going to sing one more song at this time. Um, Jesus, we, we thank you for this time. Lord, I know that you're at work in this, in this sanctuary even now. And Lord, we just want to be your people. I want you to have all of us, Lord. And thank you that, that we are your handiwork. This is not a work that's just up to our own strength of will. But Lord, you are at work in our life, helping us and assisting us in this. As the book of Ephesians 2 verse 18 says, Lord. You're assisting us, molding us for your good work and your good purposes, Lord. 
as we embody Jesus Christ himself. We thank you for this, Jesus. Thank you for this time. We pray this in your name. Amen.